0: On this episode, I'm with the Welsh wizard, a legend, I call him my friend, one of the best to have done it, Shane Williams. And as it's Mental Health Awareness Week, we talk all things mental health, and we talk about our transitions, and we talk about loneliness in retirement. And for those of you interested in finding out more information on mental health, go to mentalhealth.org.uk or Instagram Mental Health Foundation. Enjoy. He's wearing his heels. <laughs> Marching around the town to get some thrills. But it's time to go in now. And he's big and red, I shot a black and now he's super bad. He gets loud. I'm a bearded cows. I showed him some whiskey and he shoots me it like a, a bow. Right, Shane, we're in, mate. How are you? You're looking incredibly well and tanned. I've been following <laughs> your social media. I know you've been somewhere hot. What have you been up to?
2: Yeah, this isn't a, this isn't a South Wales tan, let me tell you. Um, I've been on a charity cycle in Alcudia with uh, Valindra Cancer Centre, raising some funds there with them. And lucky enough for me, it was, he's uh, in the late 20s, degrees-wise. And uh, yeah, double bonus, raise, raise some money and uh, caught a tan at the same time.
0: Shane we talk a little bit about cycling in our passing when we've uh, done a bit of commentary and stuff together and I would love to be great on a bike I'm absolutely horrendous on the what bike humbly probably one of the best in the world but yourself you're pretty good on a bike how good are you on a bike in terms of say like professional let, let's that kind of level where would you put yourself on a bike <laughs> well
2: professional I'd be at the back I think Jim i are going to be honest yeah I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty good on a bike I do a lot of triathlons and, um uh, and long, you know, hundred mile bike rides for charity, etc. But yeah, when it comes to professional, Jesus, these boys—they're different gravy, you know. I think they weigh about six stone, and they're whacking out three, four hundred watts. So I'm I'm nowhere in that league. But it's it's just something I enjoy. I you know I compete at, at Ironman level, which means I can stay on a bike for you know for five, six hours. Um, I enjoy the hills because I've lost a bit of timber since since I played. Not that I needed to lose much to be fair. I was only 80 kilos playing, but. Uh, so I do all right. I'm, I do all right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an average
0: amateur. Let's, let's put it that way. Humble. That's why it's significantly different to me when you talk about the exercise stuff. But tell <laughs> me a little bit around the exercise stuff. I think I know, but because it's Mental Health Awareness Week, and we're going to talk a few bits around that, and we're going to talk about other stuff as well. But we may as well bring that in now, because the thing that I've noticed after rugby is the number one thing I need in my life, is exercise in order for me to get through the day, in order for me to find a little bit of balance, to find a bit of focus and ease. Is that one of your main drivers? Has it been one of your main drivers, or is it just because you find yourself good at it and it's it's something that you've grown into?
2: Massively, um, finding something to do after retiring, you know, that, that was the huge focus for me. I remember when I said I was going to retire, you know, I had all these plans of doing Bugger All for for weeks and months and and I think it lasted about four days where I was just bored out of my mind. I think I was just so used to training or, you know, pushing myself or focusing on something that when I didn't have that, you know, I I just, I was pulling my hair out. And um, so, uh, you know, I just, I just looked for something to do out of my comfort zone. You know, straight away, I I, I kind of tagged along uh, on the charity side of things, you know, uh, treks, or runs, or uh, or bikes, and I slowly started, you know, to to enjoy it. Um, it was completely out of my comfort zone in the sense that, look, when I was playing rugby, I was a sprinter, so, you know, I could run from uh, 0 to 40 metres pretty sharp, 100 metres not bad, but anything over like 2 or 3k, you know, I, I would just gas, so as soon as I got, kind of got invited to do things like um, triathlons and marathons or half marathons I just thought wow look shit, this is an opportunity for you to do something that's it's going to be very hard for you but also it'll keep you focused it'll keep you doing something that um, you know you're, you're not used to doing and then hopefully that will but you know that will kind of make time up I suppose rather than worrying about oh, right, okay uh, you're, not, you're not training today so what else are you going to do so it was it was just completely different to anything that I've, I've ever done. And I slowly found that, you know, I was really pushing myself. Uh, I was keeping fit at the same time. And I suppose mentally I was, I was happy. You know, I was in a place where, you know, if I did go out on a bike, I could go out on a bike with a couple of mates. We could have a couple of coffee stops. You know, that banter continued from what, what I used to have in the rugby life. And then when I did do triathlons, whether it be a sprint on an Olympic distance or an Ironman or a, or a marathon, I still had that kind of competitiveness going, uh, even though I knew I was never going to win these kind of races. You know, that's, that was never going to happen. But at the same time, I was still competing. So it, it just kept me focused and kept the, the brain ticking along nicely, really. And uh, I'm still doing it, you know, seven years afterwards. So,
0: you know, it keeps me going. And you look great doing it. And something that a lot of players both when you're coming to the end of your career and we talk about transition and then obviously the transition and going through that a bit about trying to find out who you are purpose money all these things and belonging community all these things that is spoken about when you're coming towards the end of your career that ex-players spoke about when they retired and you think oh yeah okay I should be okay will I be okay with this all these questions And I think it takes a while, doesn't it, to come to the point of understanding what that transition period is like. I mean, I've been four or five years now, and only now can I look back, and I hate using the word tough, and it's been a tough four or five years, but it has, in terms of trying to find the purpose, and I find it probably heartwarming is the word, listening to yourself, and I think more recently, even Dan Carter and Richie McCaw talking about that transition in retirement, because... People will be listening to this, Shane, and we both had wonderful careers. Yours significantly better than mine, but I still had an unbelievable career, did really well with everything that was kind of given to me there. But I still found it tough, and I've done well after in terms of Mm. I found a bit of a purpose. And one of the things that you spoke about and we're going to speak about now, one of the things I really struggled with and still struggle with now is the loneliness, being on my own. So from being in a team environment, which I realize now – was the number one thing that I valued. I didn't realize that when I was in it, but that was the number one thing that I valued looking back. And I've struggled massively with being on my own and something has been a big shift. Initially, I tried to use it as a personal development mechanism, as in, let's be uncomfortable trying to migrate through this. Just talk to us a little bit about how you went through that transition and uh, how difficult it was at times.
2: Yeah, massively difficult. One of the things I, I really uh was worried about when I was going to retire was, you know, going from a team environment in which I spent over 16 years in, you know, from from becoming a professional rugby player to 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 getting into the team, to getting, into, you know, changing teams, playing for other teams, getting in the national side, Lions tours, rugby tours, World Cups, et cetera, where you spent almost every single minute of that day with somebody else or a group of other people to, you know, when I, when I was coming to the, to the end of, of my career and I knew, I, I kind of planned ahead, I planned a year where I could pr- kind of think, right, you need to start preparing now for this retirement malarkey because, you know, you've, you've, you've been looked after for such a long time. Let's be honest, rugby players, we do get mollycoddled sometimes and, and uh, you know, you're told where you're training, you're told what you're going to be doing, you're told what to eat, you told where you're playing on the weekend. You told where you're going in the summer, and 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 that's how it's been. And and you kind of just float, float through it. But then, you, you know, the realization hits hit in when you know, right? Okay, you've retired now. On the Saturday, maybe after one big game, on Monday morning, you've got to deal with all this. Everything that comes now from now on in is you on your own. And you know, maybe that bubble of your family around you. You know, you don't have you don't have a mate to, to kind of ask uh on Monday morning during breakfast hey mate how do I do this or I've got a problem with this uh, can you give me a hand that's that almost kind of, kind of gets taken away from you it's very daunting it's very scary and I was petrified because I'd, I'd always had you know 30 or 40 other lads around me that you know could solve my problems for me or or help me out with with anything that was going on uh, on on and off the field so um that was really really frightening I, I I'm, I'm a person that to be honest with you, that I enjoys um, uh, in, in, enjoy spending time on his own. I do. I I like my own company sometimes, but that might be for an hour, an hour and a half, or two hours. You know, when when you re- when you you're ready to retire, you, you realize that you're going to spend a lot of time on your own uh, mm-hmm. as an individual, rather than collectively as a as a as a teammate. Then uh, really, so yeah, it, it's it's frightening. It is hard, and it took me a lot a lot of time to to kind of adjust to because. You know there were players in within that squad or in that team that I'd spent over ten years with you know lads that knew me more better than I knew myself, and all of a sudden i uh they're gone you know they they they've either moved i moved to, i moved to Japan initially to retire boys went over the bridge to England, some boys went to France, some boys stayed in the club I was leaving um so yeah it's it's a difficult one really because you you and, and the most Biggest thing for me was I wasn't prepared for it. How do you prepare on on being on your own and having to deal with things on your own now, rather than having the teammates around you? And it, it takes it takes time. I'm probably still adjusting. I still, you know, I still kind of try and get over to the boys for a catch up, either for a, a coffee or a beer, just for the sake of having a coffee and a beer with the lads I used to play with, you know, and having a bit of banter. Um, and in fact, on on Saturday, uh, I was at the Ospreys game against the Dragons. And uh, We had a couple of the old farts get together, you know, the, the old Osprey boys, you know, just for a beer in the in the lounge there, and that just felt so great, you know. Just nothing's be able changed. To the fat, yeah, nothing's changed. You know, they, they were still taking the mick out of each other as as they were ten years ago. The banter was still the same. It was still the crap jokes, you know. And um, and I absolutely love being part of that again. So it's, you know, I, I think that's important as well. Keeping in touch with with the people that you've uh, been so close to over the years, and and just. You know just 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 making sure that they are they are there for you, and the important thing is they are there for you they will always be there for you you know yeah uh, when uh, being a team member or a teammate like that this people don't realize how important they are to you and and you are to them so yeah it's yeah, it's difficult it's it it has been tough, it really has been tough, and I think lockdown probably magnified that by ten as well because you know you not only are you away from your teammates but your ex teammates you're away from everybody else as well so it is hard it is very difficult but i suppose going back to what i do with the triathlon and um and, and running marathons or being part of a crowd or being part of a team or or competing you know amongst a couple of hundred people for a uh, for a sprint triathlon is you know kind of keeps me within that team environment again even though i don't have my boys around me anymore i still have people that i know or i have people that i can compete against and it keeps my my mind focused and Uh, and ready on for the next chapter i
0: suppose yeah because i think people will be listening to this and it's not us having a moan right this is reality and i've got a mate i've got a few mates um, who work in a factory in coventry and they're the most content humans ever and they've been on the same path as me in terms of They've got two kids or three kids. I've got four kids because I'm a topper, but they have been on the same kind of path from a family perspective, and they're very content. You know, they go to holiday to Tenerife once a year. They watch the football down the pub on a Sunday, and that I'm envious sometimes because of how content their life is. And people be listening to this and being like, "Oh, yeah, but you got to you got to do this, you got to do that." One of the biggest things for me was in the retirement process. I was really looking forward to being at home and spending some time with my kids because of the things you said. Because you'd go on a summer tour, you'd go on a World Cup, you were gone five, six days a week, and when you are at home you were tired and you were battered and bruised. But I felt a bit of a spare part at home after a couple of months. Do you know what I mean? I was at home too much. I was there, every school drop-off, which is great, every school pickup, which is great. But there comes a point where that existence of being – I was 34, right, 34 years old, massive, do you know what I mean? And mm. a dad and a husband. But I, I felt a bit kind of worthless, you know? Whereas before, yeah. it's dad, a rugby player. You know what I mean? They're young. Like, I'm telling them he's a legend. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a rugby player. I'm this. They're watching me at the weekend. <laughs> and not many people get that that in their lives that like we've had. But you become a thing to your kids. And being like my mates who work in the factory in Cov, what does the dad do? He goes to work. They look up to him. He goes to work. He earns the money. And then suddenly, not that we're not earning money – but I just felt like I was at home too much and I wanted to be something more for my kids than being who I used to be, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I certainly felt like a, a spare part. Um, because let's be honest, you we, we spend so much time training and trying to be good at something that's, um, that is very unique, first of all. Uh, but then when you are pretty good at that and, and, and people kind of notice you, it's it's a great place to be. It's brilliant. And I've loved every second of it. Highs and lows. Brilliant, but but then, like, I, I, I found without as soon as I was retired that I wasn't that skilled at anything else, so you, you lose that kind of import. I felt like I lost that importance now. I'd you know, I'd, I'd played 87 for times for Wales and Lions tours, whatever. Then, on the I always I refer to it the Monday because it felt to me like I retired on the Saturday, and Monday was just this huge, whole new world to me. On the Monday morning, like obviously yes, being with the kids was great, but then I just felt that like hold on i'm what am I actually what else am I actually good at? I spent so long trying to be a very, very good rugby player that i've have I neglected everything else what what skills do I have now and am am I even relevant to anyone anymore and that was in the space of a weekend, you know, and so yeah, you have to kind of find you know, the the direction you want to go and, and also I felt like I was, it was like going back to school. Right. What am I good at? What do I need to become good at? Uh, what are my skills? What are my qualifications? You know, what's my CV look like away from rugby? Pretty average, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and so what do I do now? So, you know, I, it's, it's very scary. And, and, you know, I started trying to, um, you know, build new businesses. I started starting businesses and I thought, Shane, you don't actually know anything about, about this how how are you going to be any good at this and how is this going to be a success for you because there's thousands of people out there doing what you're doing and they've been doing it for years you know so I yeah I, I just I did it felt completely irrelevant for for a long long time until you do start to find your feet you do have people around you that can help you in the business world or in, in the sporting world and then I, and I, I got to the point where I thought right well just use your rugby values you know your, your determination your, your, your pride or anything it is just a try and get on in this business life and 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 see how it goes and you know i'm lucky I've, i i I have had people around me that have been able to help me but you know it, it it's just a different world altogether and even now i've been retired a long time seven years i came back from japan i'm still looking at myself sometimes thinking oh am i you know what am i doing mm. you know uh, are, are people looking at me thinking oh this fella, right okay he used to play rugby a lot and he's pretty good at that but what the hell does he think he's doing in this kind of business or life now, you know it's, And I'm, I still get a bit sketchy when I uh, get into business meetings because people probably think, are looking at me thinking, "Well, you're just a rugby player really, and you know what you know in this life." So it's, it's intimidating, I think the word is. It's very intimidating because most of the time I don't know what I'm doing if I'm honest, and it's, it's scary and, and it's frightening, but you know you've got to have a go at it.
0: Not just a rugby player, one of the world's best rugby players. You downplayed it there. It's a difference, you know. <laughs> well, a long time ago. No, it's, it, a
2: long. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Look, exactly that, Jim. You know, I I trained, trained my ass off to you know to to be the be- try to be the best at uh, what I did, and you know I I went through it all. I went through, you know, being told I, I wasn't good enough, getting in teams, being dropped from the teams, getting abused, abused in the press, getting abused by well supporters, because uh, I wasn't good enough to, you know, getting back in the team and and then becoming uh, as uh, uh, the best of what I did. And you know, it was hard work. It was looking back, it was great. It was awful times as well, where where, where things didn't go well, uh, not go well for myself, injuries or non-selection or, like I say, uh, abuse. <laughs> um, to to get into euphoria, you know, I became world player of the year when you get to world player of the year, Jim, there's it. it you know, there's nowhere after that, mm. you know? And, and that was a scary place to be as well because I thought, well, you know, it, it doesn't get any better than this. Now, you know, it is down. And, you know, even though you are a rugby player, you're doing what you, you enjoy, you're doing what you love, you still get lonely, you still get scared, you still get intimidated, you know, you still get your bad game, you still get the press telling you you're, you're awful or you've had an awful game. Um, you still get knocked out of World cups in, in uh, pool stages, quarterfinals, or uh, or semifinals, you know, so it's you get the same pain and anguish that any other person does as well. But like you say, I've got friends as well that you know are, are do jobs different to me and and um, and go through the same problems. Still, you know, get lonely, uh, intimidated in work, find it hard, find it good sometimes. You know, miss the the camaraderie and the and the crack of you know uh, work or even football or rugby or other sports where they've retired at the age of 30 because they need to earn the money rather than play sports on a Saturday and Sunday. And they miss it. And you know, they then they've got the same issues that myself, you you do. And and the and the likes of Dan Carter, Johnny Wilkinson, Brian O'Driscoll, you know, everyone goes through it really and and, and people look sometimes and just think, oh look, no, look, they've they've had a great life. It's easy. It, it's it's not easy. It's not easy for um, you know, for, for people out there and it's certainly not easy for sportsmen or or people in the military or people uh you know, doing anything. Footballers, all right, they're they're only five, six hundred grand a week, but I can I can promise you they're not entirely happy all all the time twenty four uh twenty-four-seven. Um well, yeah, that's it's, the thing, Shane. Money it's, isn't it's the thing difficult is
0: I, I know when you've got no. money, it's easy to say money doesn't make you happy. It's easy to say that when you've got it. I look at Johnny Depp and Amanda uh, Amber Heard. Where I'm looking at, I'm like, this is tragic. That it's abs- We're talking about two of the most successful youngsters as they came through Hollywood. To yeah. it's it's harrowing. And one of the things as well you mentioned there that again, you know, we're in the age category as men, and we know that mental health is is unbelievable in, in our age group. And again, I, I'm not here to talk about what the age groups are, what the symptoms and stuff like that. But just we are in a, in a vulnerable category in that sense and one of the things you mentioned where I actually can see when you're at the highest of the highs and you've had higher highs than that because the only way is down and a coach said to me Dean Ryan actually one of the most successful Scotland coaches I ever had an Englishman for one six nations we had our highest finish third and I remember him saying how far are you willing to push yourself to win something like how far are you willing to push yourself for 20 seconds Of ecstasy, of emotion that no one or hardly anyone Mm. will ever feel. I remember when I won a European Cup for Saracen. I actually played in that game for 20 seconds and I felt it, but it was the Premiership where Saracen's played Exeter and I came on and made a difference in the game. I got a turnover, I thought I did anyway. I definitely got two uh, and sacked a line out as well. And I felt like I'd been a part of something, right? And I remember the final whistle going and that 20 seconds of euphoria was like something I'd never experienced before and I'd had many experiences as a player and at that moment I was like that's what he's talking about that feeling mm. of I imagine for you winning a Grand Slam winning a match for the Lions and that's the thing I think trying to replicate that feeling you'll never be able to replicate it like I, I got goosebumps talking about it like playing for an international team standing in the tunnel and running out or for you getting the ball in your hand in space against Scotland and shutting down the stadium, mm. when it was called the Millennium Stadium, to beat Scotland in a game that you should never have won, and I think that that's the thing: mm. is you've had them emotions, I've had them emotions, people in the military who've been to war and they've had these experience of like more adrenaline rush than any human being could ever imagine or wish for, and I think that's the fall yeah. that we struggle with.
2: Hundred um, percent. People ask me all the time, what well, you know, what do you miss rugby and what do you miss about it? Well, look, I, I miss the lads, of course I do, and I, I miss the crack, I miss the banter, I miss playing. But uh, I've I've experienced things on the rugby field that I'm never going to experience again. You know, uh, up highs and lows. Uh, lows, losing in a in a semi final of a World Cup, where you know we we've had a player sent off, knowing that you know we are we're in a good position to win the game and go into a World Cup final and be a world champion. You know, that that was like a punch or a kicking punch in the guts or kicking in the nuts. Uh, you can have that quote by the way Jim um, I'll take that I like that it, you know but that you know, I felt then that my whole world was falling apart and and, and that was one of the you know the lowest times in my life and you know I, I look back and think well Shane there's a lot worse that could have happened to you in life so you know that's fine but then I look at euphoria moments you know um, scoring my first strike for Wales in the Millennium Stadium the whole crowd going nuts you know um, from in my second cap again goosebumps time brilliant but the one that stands out for me was you know my last game for Wales against Australia at home at the Millennium Stadium I, I score a try in the final seconds of the match right? Wales lose the game anyway so the try is irrelevant right but I just remember after scoring that try thinking oh, Shane, this is amazing you know you've got your kids on the side you've got a full capacity stadium you've got all your family here. everyone standing up for at least 15-20 minutes after the game just chanting my name and, you know, I was, I, I had so many mixed emotions. One emotion was, this is amazing, Shane. This is fantastic. This is brilliant. But then straight away, I thought, Shane, you're never going to get this again, mate. You're never going to feel like this again. And, you know, you're, you're going to have great things that are going to happen in your life after this, this kind of, this game and this, and this, um this next 10 minutes of your life. But that's it. You're, you're not going to get it back, mate. And so, I just remember thinking, ah, Jesus, do you know what? I'm not, I'm never going to get this feeling again. I'm never going to sing in front of, an anthem in front of the, the, in the stadium. I'm never going to kind of have that emotion of dotting that ball down in the final seconds and, and having my kids run on the field with me and, you know, and looking up in the stand and the, the the crowd were there. The the full crowd were there for about 10, 15 minutes after the game. Wiz has just lost the game, right? Usually, As soon as Ways have lost the game, the crowd goes, they're all in the pubs. They're they're all, you know, drowning in their sorrows. But they were there chanting my name. And honestly, I got goosebumps now thinking about it. But then I thought, well, that's it, Shane. You know, you're you're mid-30s. Are you ever going to have anything like this again? And the answer was no. So, um, yeah, it was, it's just a bizarre feeling, really. And, uh, you know, I think the only way I can kind of get anything back close to that now is when I, you know, when I do my marathons or my, do my IMN where, you know, you get a London Marathon example, you've got millions or hundreds of thousands of supporters there in in London, kind of cheering you on, screaming your name. You know, that's never going to be the Millennium Stadium for well, you're me. you're not winning it either IMN. No, no. That's so the thing.
0: If you're at the front, then yeah. maybe. you probably yeah, be close to yeah. that.
2: Coming 34,000 uh, doesn't really <laughs> cut it, really, does it? Uh, As to win in a Grand Slam, but... But I still get a bit of that back, you know, and I still get a bit of that kind of team spirit back. And there's someone running past you, give you a tap on the back and go, come on, Shane. You know, you're thinking, oh, how does he know me? Where's his name on the back? You know, but I'm thinking, oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> you know, or people cheering you on in the crowd going, come on, Shane, you can do this where you're 20 miles in, you're blowing out of your backside and you, do, you just think you're going to keel over, you know. But that's, I think that's why I do what I do now. As well, to be honest, I am on Wales. I've done that four times. It's the hardest physical thing I'm ever going to do. Uh, however, you know I've got a lot of support there because there, obviously there's a lot of Welsh there. It's a town that I know very well. Um, there's, there's over forty thousand spectators cheering you on, and that kind of almost takes me back a little bit back to the to the Millennium Stadium and gives me that kind of buzz again, even though it's the most horrendous, hardest, toughest physical thing that I'll ever do you know, I still kind of get that back as well. So I think that's why, you know, more I, more I talk to you, Jim, more I realize that's why I'm doing these kind of challenges and things as well. It kind of takes me back a little bit, back to the good old days.
1: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How is your wife in all this? And I say that because... Me and my wife, we're quite transparent with each other. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a a talker at home, so I, I talk about my feelings and my emotions. But I do wonder sometimes where, you know, she's been with me since I was 20 years old, right? So she's seen me go from a council estate in Coventry to Leicester to become an international to finish at Saracens and be able to provide for our four beautiful kids. You know, I'm also quite happy to say I'm an alpha male, like I am. I like that. I like being able to provide. I like, you know, the physical aspect of playing a contact sport and all these things to the point where, you know, a year of retiring, two years of retiring, I felt like a shell of my former self. And I wonder how my wife saw me. Do you know what I mean? She's been through these experiences, looked after, pampered, World Cups. You know, that's her husband, that's her boyfriend. There's something around that being on the pitch, you know, and and her seeing that to then me being a shell of my former self and seeing me wandering around like I am not even half the man I used to be. Yeah. And I, you yeah. talk about support, and this is probably what it comes on to now in reaching out for support and being able to open it and talking. How has your wife dealt with your transition?
2: Yeah, I've I've known Gail a long, long time. We we started going out. Uh, when I was 18 and Gail was 17, so we've we've known each other a long, long time. Uh, she understands me really well, and and the rugby life was easy because you know I I knew exactly what I was doing. I was you know she she kind of understood the rugby side of it. She I had World Cups to go to, I had Lions tours, I had Six Nations where you're away for six seven weeks tours, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So she kind of dealt with that and was fine, but. I think she was probably as more nervous than I was when I did come to the point of retirement, because she knew, like I said earlier, I, didn't re- I hadn't really had anything else. you know, from a very young age, it's, it, rugby was, was all I really had, and she knew how hard I trained and how hard I worked to, to get what I did. But I think, you know when, when I knew that that dreaded day of retirement was coming, I, I think we collectively as two kind of looked at each other and thought, right, then, what happens here?" You know, when I retired, I kind of went into Michelle a little bit because I thought I, I, I was worried. I was worried about, you know, how, how me and Gay were, were were going to be in a whole different world. You know, she had been in my rugby world for over 15 years. And uh, and now I was in, you know, uh, the family and, and business life, which is chalk and cheese, of course. So, um, yeah, it was very difficult for her and and, and straight away. You know, I think I was in the house for about three or four days after retiring and she was like, shit, you just, you just got to get out. You've just got to get out of the house and do something. Just get out from below my feet. I don't care what it is. Go down the pub if you want. I don't care. Get on the bike, do something different. I don't know. you just, because I was just, you know, I was just pulling my hair out, just sitting there, just thinking, right, okay. I'm I'm relax, do something different. But I just couldn't do it. I couldn't relax. I couldn't sit down. You know, I was getting on her nerves almost instantly from that, you know, that 24 hours of retirement. She's great, you know, she's known me a long time. She probably knows me better than I know myself. And, um, you know, she's been so supportive. There's a lot of wives out there now, and I have I know a lot of them because my mates have got them, that uh, are like, you're not doing an Ironman. No, you're not doing an Ironman. There's too much training involved. You haven't got time. You've got work. Whereas Gail told me, go and do an Ironman. Mm -hmm. Just bugger off. Go and... I don't know. Okay, well, if it might be a trek in Peru. It might be uh, a cycle around the Coromandel Bay. Just bugger off and do it because otherwise, you know, me and you are not going to get on. So I, I, I'm i very lucky in that sense, Jim, because there's not a lot of wives that, that are that supportive, really. And I've got a lot of mates that are, you know, begging and, and pleading with their wives, please come on, just give me a bit of spare time to train for an Ironman or a marathon. So um, she gets it. And I'm, I, you know, I'm very lucky in that sense. Yeah.
0: Well, that's the thing. The support network that, we both have which many people don't have and I think people listening to this it isn't us bearing our soul uh, for the sake of bearing our soul chatting to each other it is mental health awareness week and people suffer with all types of mental health it can be extreme it can be low it can not even be a mental health issue it can just be feeling low or feeling sad and we're talking about our experiences because there's a mental health element to that because mentally our lives have changed and we've had to go through that process and you speak about the support network that you've had with your wife, I'm the same and a lot of people don't have access to them tools and it won't necessarily be if they played sport, it could be troubles at work, it could be money problems, it could be anything and everything and I think on the rugby pod, when we've talked about mental health or we've talked about feeling low, when we did it during the pandemic, you know, and there was all this kind of hysteria at the beginning that lasted for 18 months. And me and Goody spoke a little bit about how tough it was being at home with the kids and, you know, uh, family members being poorly with it, et cetera, and my wife losing her mum and going through that process during COVID. And when we were quite open and transparent about it, the feedback we got was amazing. So I think people listening to this, Shane, and listening to yourself yeah. talk about it—one of the best players to have ever done it—and you know, an icon in Wales—I think it's extremely powerful. But just, why are we talking about this? It is to raise awareness. But just tell us a little bit about why you specifically want to talk about it, and this week as well.
2: Yeah, well, obviously, it's a very important week for it. But um, for me personally, I've ex- I've experienced lows, anxiety. You know, I I can't I can't, go, I can't say. Specifically, that I've been depressed, but I've I've had times where, you know, I've I've really struggled. And we've I've probably mentioned the biggest times is is retirement and and not having that, you know, the, the player support around you that that you're used to. Um, the world's a scary place. It doesn't matter if you're a Jim Hamilton, six foot eight, or whatever it is. Jim, or you, you're a Shane Williams, five foot six. Uh, if you're a rugby player, football player, um, uh, you know, in the armed forces, or working in a factory down the road we all get frightened of things we all get anxious of things and there are things out there that that scare us and and that you know we, we we're unable to do and i i just think it is really important i've got friends that have suffered massively um especially you know recently through the the pandemic lost jobs uh, lost family members um i've lost a lot of people in fact that, that that i know um and it was a very scary time for everyone and you know, I I I get anxious not only for myself but for my my children and my family and the people around me. And in fact, I've I've lost people um, over the years um, uh, to depression. And what I mean by that is 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 suicide and uh, and so on and so forth. So it's it's a, it's a huge part of uh, of life and it is something that uh, affects us all. Um, that's the scary thing about it, but. Like the most important thing that I've I've done when when you know when I've been feeling down or I haven't been feeling too well, is is just speaking to someone. You know, having having that support around me, uh, family members, ex rugby players, new uh, new friends, friends of old. Just just having a chat to anyone really to make sure that you know we're supported and you could support someone else. So it's yeah, it's I think it's just I think it's just really important that with you know it's addressed and. Uh, and that everyone's okay you know it's it's easy to chat and it's easy to sit down have a coffee or a beer or, or even just to sit down with each other and have a chat about
0: it yeah absolutely and i think for the people listening to this as well this isn't saying go out there and do the welsh ironman i can't i can barely run 5k but i can say exercise for me is the number one tool is the number one tool for me for clarity if i'm feeling aggressive you know anxious and all these things that you put into the melting pot for the stuff that me and Shane have spoken about. I find exercise is a great tool. My poor wife, she gets moaned out if there's any issues at work or stuff that's going on, like admin and travel and all these things that I struggle with trying to get focus. And, uh, yeah, I think there's a million other things. I'm not an expert, obviously. <laughs> you know, Shane, no. I, you're not an expert. We're sharing our story, I suppose, and some of the no. tools that you've used. But where can people go to? Where can they reach out to for the the charity and the foundation that you're working alongside to raise profile for this?
2: The charity I'm working with at the moment is, in fact, is a, is a cancer charity. Uh, it's, it's Philindra Cancer Centre, and that's, uh, that's a charity that I'm ambassador for. And, and again, that's another avenue that that helps me massively you know um i i associate myself with with these charities because i feel like i'm making a difference i feel like i'm helping uh others and at the same time it, it does allow me to go out and, and train and, and run and do a, a bike ride and uh do a marathon an in aid of uh, valindra and so on and so forth but you know it, it doesn't even have to be anything sporting it, you know it, it could just be something it could just be a, a sponsored war it Everyone's different, and uh, like you said, it, you know, sports sports have been very important to me for the years, and it was just an easy avenue for me to get into to you know to do these cycles and so on and so forth. I think it's just you know it's just keeping yourself busy, really. It's, it's doing something you enjoy doing that that takes your focus off of off of all the other things that are, are clouding your mind and your judgment at times, really. So, um, and that's why I do it. You know, I'll, I'll continue to to keep it fit and healthy as I can because I that makes me feel good and. You know, whether it makes me feel good for, for an hour or two or three hours, I don't know. It's you know, it's
0: that's how it is for me. Well, I think the message to people listening is you're not alone. We're all going through something, whatever that looks like, whatever that may sound like when we're talking about it. So we're all in the, yeah. all in this together. Uh, Shane Williams, that was fantastic, mate. We could have gone on forever. And next time we talk, I want to talk to you about the demise of Welsh rugby. So we're gonna to have to get you in the studio <laughs> and we'll we'll go over that. That could be a two or three hour podcast.
2: Yeah, how long have you got? How long you got, Jim?
0: Next time. Shane Williams, thank you very much. Absolute legend, as always. Cheers, yeah. Top man.